Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. I've got a word from the Lord today, but before we get into that, a couple of things. I did want to mention Life is Flying Out today for the ministry in Pakistan that we were giving towards. We want to pray for him, so be praying. He's got a layover in New York, and then we'll be leaving there today. Let's really be praying for him. He's going to be there through Thanksgiving, left his family to do that, and uh, so, man, let's be standing with him as, as that goes on. Also, uh, I, I have a new friend and uh, Solomon Kepke. Solomon, come on up here. I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to give a man I just met a mic. So this is, this is a bold and courageous thing. But I, I just, I fell in love with this man. And he shared something with me this morning. Solomon is from South Africa. And uh, he shared something with me this morning that really stirred my heart. I said, would you share that with the church real quick? There you go, brother. Here, go ahead and take that. So I believe the Spirit of the Lord is decreeing today that America is not poised for God's judgment, but America is poised for one of the greatest revivals and one of the greatest awakenings in the history of this nation. Many have decreed that America is under God's judgment, but no, the mercy of the Lord triumphs over judgment. I want to read a scripture very, very quickly. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget the work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I come from the continent of Africa. And I am indebted to this nation. So is my entire continent. And the rest of the world. Over 70% of resources that has been spent to advance the kingdom of God in the history of the church. Missionaries, finances have left the shores of this country. Families have uprooted themselves, packed their bags and went to spend their lives. To see the gospel of Jesus preached to the fathers from corners of the earth. And it came from this nation. God has an appointment with America. And you are poised to see one of the greatest movements of God in this nation. John 3.17 says... Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. But through the world, through him, the world might be saved. And so the world has got a debt. Our continent has got a debt to this nation. And I've come to announce to you today that we are praying for this nation. We are standing in solidarity with you. For God to break through. Your ancestors, many of the giants of the faith that this world has seen. Billy Graham's. 
that have come from this nation have sown, have contended for the salvation of the rest of the world. It is time that the world is going to do that and the church is going to do that for this nation. I'm closing. Psalm 2 says, Ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance. America is part of the nations of the world. And you are about to see God move with signs, wonders, and miracles. Get ready. The finest hour of America is not behind her. The best is yet to come in Jesus' name. Would you, I want you to stand. Solomon, I'm going to ask you just to pray over us as a representative of this nation. Let's contend for a few minutes. The Bible says when Zion travails, she will give birth to her children. There is an Esther movement sweeping this nation. And I've come to announce to you that you have come into the kingdom for a time such as this. Let us raise up our voice for a few moments. And let us contend for America. In the name of Jesus, we declare that even though darkness covers the earth, over this nation, the Lord and the glory of the Lord is arising. We're crying out, Father, from the east coast to the west coast, from the north to the south, the east and the west. We make a declaration over America. America shall be saved. In the name of Jesus, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. We contend this morning. We raise up our voices, Father. We release our faith in agreement with heaven's agenda and heaven's plan. And we cry out, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let heaven invade the shores of America. We pray in the name of Jesus that from the young to the old the spirit of the sovereign God will be poured out and there will be revival in this land and once again America will be a beacon of hope and a beacon of light to the nations of the world Jesus in Jesus holy name Amen Hallelujah and Amen Hallelujah. Thank you, Solomon. Bless you, brother. Love you. Bless you. Uh, I can't tell you how much that moved me this morning. Some of you will remember when Leif was here, the week after he left, I just, I could not shake this theme Paul had an apostolic call. He was sent by heaven to the Gentiles of the earth. But there was something that superseded his apostolic call. And that was his intercessory call. He was willing to give his life for the Gentiles, but he was willing to give his soul for the Israelites. There's something about our own people that we've got to carry before the throne of God. And we're going to give to missions. We're going to go to the nations. 
But while we go, we've got to carry a burden for this nation. And uh, man, we received that, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, man. We can just go home. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to just real quick, I want to throw something out to you, and we'll, we'll probably jump back into this next week, uh, but uh, we, we've been on an uh, unintentional series on the Holy Spirit, <laughs> uh, an unintentional series on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, really. I didn't plan on it becoming a series, but we're, we're in the thick of it now, so uh, let, let me read a couple of verses to you. Let's do that here. I'm a little, I'm kind of trying to find my bearings here. Just bear with me. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. One of the shortest verses in all the scripture. Do not quench the Spirit. Goes on to say, do not despise prophecies, test everything, hold fast to what is good. But we have these two warnings from the Apostle Paul. Don't grieve the Spirit and don't quench the Spirit. And sometimes people will use those interchangeably, but I I would propose to you those are two separate things. Paul is giving us two warnings because there's two expressions of the Spirit in our life. And we need to cooperate with both expressions. And each of these warnings addresses one of those expressions. We probably talked about this. I I really don't know. Uh, I don't remember if we talked about this in this series or not. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit does have two primary expressions. There's a, there is a richness to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we as Pentecostals, now I was raised as a Pentecostal, and so there's a richness to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that often we miss because we zero in on one facet of this great gift, and there's more to it. And some that have come to that experience, that baptism in the Holy Spirit from other avenues, realize the richness of the experience that some of us miss when we were raised because we're locked in to that one expression. And you could frame it this way. There is an empowerment that is given to us by the Spirit. Once you're saved, you become a candidate for an encounter with the Spirit, a baptism in the Spirit. He becomes the environment in which you are drenched saturated and come up dripping with and there is an empowerment that comes with that Jesus was clear you will receive power when you receive the gift of the father but we as Pentecostals we tend to look at that power as an external expression for ministry and that's a valid thing but it's not the whole thing the holiness movement They tended to always emphasize the internal empowerment for holiness, the ability to live a holy life. And when the Pentecostal movement was birthed in this nation in the early 1900s, there there was a great divorce between those two, between holiness, or you can put it this way, because I like to rhyme and use the same letters, power and purity. There was a great divorce between those two things. 
And I believe in the coming move that our brother just spoke of, God is going to re-merge those two things, power and purity. And we need to realize that that baptism in the Holy Spirit is the answer to your personal, individual need for holiness and freedom and deliverance from evil. And it's also the answer for you to have the power to do the work God has called you to. So there's an internal expression and an external expression. There's the internal baptism where you are empowered. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8. It's by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power to overcome evil. And some get saved and although they've, they've come into the good of the cross, they've received forgiveness, they don't yet know that freedom. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God gives you that freedom by empowering you on the inside through a baptism in the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to live a righteous life. And some of you are struggling and what you need is power. It's not a lack of sincerity. You need the power of God to come upon you, to unhinge you from self so you can swing from a new center. But that same power is also a power, an external power that we give away. It's power for ministry. And so we talk about purity, power. We could talk about intimacy and ministry. And you see this in Paul's writings. All through his writings, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And I would propose to you, these two verses are warnings that apply to those two separate categories. He's saying, when it comes to your personal walk with Jesus, when he says, grieve, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are reserved for, the, for redemption. When he's saying, don't grieve, that implies relationship. There's an intimacy there that has to do with the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in your life, the fruits of an intimate relationship with him. And that is the foundation of the other. Your intimacy is the foundation of your ministry. But the problem is if we don't understand that there's an empowerment to live from that intimate place, one of the primary ways the enemy will get you out of the secret place is through condemnation, through personal failure. And the more sincere you are about your walk with God, the more readily he can leverage your failures to keep you from God. The less sincere you are, the less upset you will be about your failures. But the more sincere you are, the more you will be troubled. And the enemy will actually leverage your own sincerity against you. But God has an answer. And his power from on high to live the Christian life. The old timers used to call it praying through or being sanctified. Now, different denominations, we could get into historical study. There's some denominations that look at sanctification as a process. Some look at it as an event. And which is it? Uh-huh. As your faith is, so be it unto you. It is a process, but you can, you can pray through and get a good kick in the pants and fall down. You can land a few miles down the road from where you were because you prayed through. And so it's, it's both and. 
But I'm telling you, the power of God is available to you to deliver you from besetting sin. Some of that comes in the form of revelation, where God shows you scriptures that will set you free. Some of it comes in the form of an encounter with his spirit. It comes upon you. But much of it is that baptism of love we've talked about. One of the primary works of the Spirit of God, one of the primary manifestations of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the love of God being shed abroad in our heart. And when, when that happens, when we see his great love for us, we can't help but love him back. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. When we get that revelation, we can't help but love him. And when you love him, you don't wanna hurt his heart. That is the basis of not wanting to grieve him. And we need to hold dear to that, that warning. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I love how Paul says the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just say the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve him. And the way in which you apply that to your life, the closer you are to him, the less you want to grieve him. The context of that passage in Ephesians chapter five is your behavior among people, what you say, what you think in your heart, holding grudges and all of that. I'll just tell you, the, the times I know I've grieved the spirit the most is with my mouth with other people. And I felt it. I felt him lift off me. He didn't leave me. It didn't mean that I was heading for hell. But that intimacy, that closeness, I knew I grieved him. The word grieved, that, that word means to sadden, to hurt. The fact is that the Holy Spirit of God has made himself vulnerable to you as a friend. It's an amazing thing that you can hurt his heart by the way you treat him. We understand that about our closest human relationships, but you can actually hurt the heart of God so that he withdraws for a season. And part of maturity is walking with him and realizing, Lord, I don't ever want to walk a day without you walking close with me. I never want to hurt his heart. When we see what he's done for us, when we see his great love for us, there's something that arises within us. There's a tenderness that we don't want to hurt him. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. That has to do with our personal relationship with him, allowing just him to dictate the activities of our heart, to put, a, put his hand over our mouth, to remain sensitive to him. And I, I really believe that this coming move of God, the last move of God, there was a lot of emphasis on power, and rightly so. We need power from on high for ministry. But I'm telling you, this next move of God is going to have a lot of emphasis on purity. God wants to clean up his bride. I don't know if you feel that this morning, but I just feel his brooding over us. Just put your hands up before the Lord. Father, we're asking you this morning. Lord, give us a sensitivity. Lord, those in this room who lack that sensitivity... Lord, those who have been through hard things and it's, it's caused a callousness on their heart, Lord, I ask that you'd give them a revelation of your love. Lord, we want to respond to you. We want to walk near and dear to you, Lord.
in Jesus' name. You know, we use that terminology of a calloused heart. You think about a callous. A callous is a hardness so that you lack sensitivity. It's a, it's a form of protection. Back when I was in high school, uh, I worked in the fields. And so every year we would, we would sow uh, 50,000 tomato plants by hand and then we would hoe them. All day long, so like four or five hours a day we would hoe. And at the beginning of the season, I would always get these massive blisters. And uh, one year I got the bright idea of peeling it off. And, I thought, and there was some alcohol. I thought, oh, that'll clean it out. I would recommend never doing that. I tell you what, it took the pain out after a real severe pain uh, for a few seconds. But after that, I'd get calluses. And what it was is it's, it's a lack of sensitivity as the result of familiarity. I had handled the tools so much that I, it, I, I lost a sensitivity in my hands. It was a form of protection. And a lot of us develop those calluses in our heart because we've been hurt. There's been this familiarity. We've gone through things, or you can even just be here in the presence of God so much. I've heard people, I've heard men of God talk about being in the midst of revival and backsliding. Not that they went out and sinned, but they just got a hardness in their heart because they became so familiar with it. Charles Finney talked about how it's crucial for leaders of revival to be continually broken down in God's presence. We need him to rub off those calluses and become tender with them again. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The most valuable thing we have is his presence. I don't, I, I can't say I don't care. I, I want power in ministry. I want more power in ministry. I want to see more healings. I want to see more deliverance. I want to see more salvations. But what I want more is not God's activity in the service. I want to know he's with me when I get back to the hotel room. I want to have a tender friendship with the Lord. All fruitful ministry comes out of intimacy. That is the foundation. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. But then Paul tells us, quench not the Spirit. Let him flow. Don't put a lid on it. See, the amazing thing is once you really get close to him and you start to fellowship with him, things begin to happen in your life. It gets on you. And all of a sudden, people want to be around you because something of him got on you when you were with him. And you begin to discover, oh, I've, you know what? There's some things I do. I don't enjoy it. No one else does. You know, like if I got up and sang a special this morning, I wouldn't enjoy it. Neither would you. There's some things I may enjoy. That's, that's the real hard ones when people lack self-awareness. You know, I'm up here thinking I really enjoy it and you don't. But then there's things where I enjoy it and so do you. It's those sweet spots we realize, hey, God's hand is on this thing. As we follow with him and we get with him, God will begin to lead you along and you'll begin to discover, wow, I was made for certain things. And there's an anointing that comes upon you. It's power for ministry. God wants to give us effective ministry. 
But then he tells us, quench not the Holy Spirit. Because once God does start to move through you, there will be times where he will require of you some things that you don't want to do. He'll require, let me tell you, as a pastor, he'll require you allow some things you don't want to allow. I remember years ago, we were in the old building on the other side of town, and Christopher had gone to Toronto. And uh, he'd gotten touched, and I was, I, had been, I was against Toronto at the time. I was a Brownsville guy. Hey, you cry in God's presence. You don't laugh. And, uh, but, but we had heard good reports. So Christopher went up there, and he really got touched, and he called me, and he said, Dave, it's still going on. It's awesome. And so I said, hey, we had Sunday night services back then. I said, hey, I want you to preach Sunday night. So he calls me from the airport Sunday afternoon, and he says, Dave, God's going to move tonight, and it's going to be good. And I remember two simultaneous feelings in my heart, excitement and dread. Like, oh man. I was like, uh-oh, because I didn't know what that meant. He got back that night, and, and it was a good service. probably fairly tame compared to what we've experienced over the last number of years, but there were bodies laid out around the room, and, and I remember this this awkward feeling as a pastor who was hungry for a move of God, but I didn't know my role. I was a brand new pastor. I was a teen challenge guy, okay? I knew my role as a teen challenge guy. I didn't know my role as a pastor. And I was standing on the front row just worshiping, saying, God, what, what do I do here? Because my little brother's praying for people. <laughs> and Christopher came over and gave me a word that we, he strangely wrote into a song that we used to sing all the time around here. And when he spoke it over me, I knew it was a word from the Lord. What he said was this, in holy desperation, you must lose your reputation. And I knew it was God. Because God was saying, what you're crying out for, what you're pulling on, I'm about to send. Quench not the Holy Spirit. It was not too long after that. We're coming into the Christmas. He said, I love preaching at Christmas. And I was studying the Christmas story. And I came across that story of Joseph and Mary. And if you look about Joseph, it's really interesting. Because I, I want to say, I, I say it's in Luke. It says, after, uh, this is a paraphrase, after he proposed, but before they got married. So in that little sliver of time called the engagement, or the betrothal, an angel came to him. And said, that which is in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. She was impregnated by the Spirit of God. After he made public, she's mine. But before he could make it legal, all of a sudden, she was found to be with child. That's the timing of God, my friend. God could have made it a whole lot easier on Joe. Had Mary showed up pregnant, Joe said, hey, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to give this, this little orphan child a father. I'll give him my name. Or God could have waited after. The angel could have showed up and said, Joe, don't touch her. I'll beat you up. And Joe's, okay, okay. And then she, she could have become pregnant. By, but God chose that sliver of time and a, a season in which Joseph would lose his reputation if he went through with the purposes of God. Because there's something about the human heart that idolizes our own reputation. And the Lord was putting his finger on that thing. I was studying that, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said this. He said, Dave, because again, I was asking the Lord, God, what's my role as a pastor? He said, I don't need you to bring life to the bride. I just need you to lend your good name to that which others will think is illegitimate until it'll walk on its own. 
God is looking for people who will allow him to move and not put a lid. Over here, grieve not. It has to do with your personal relationship. I want to be sensitive to him. I don't want to hurt his heart. I don't want to sadden his heart. But over here, it's more public. Are you willing to look like a fool for Christ? Are you willing to take risks and step out? That's about the fruit. This is about the gifts. And if we're to learn to flow with God in ministry, you've got to learn, quench not the Holy Spirit. See, this one implies relationship. This one implies partnership. It is an amazing thing to me that the Spirit of God not only makes himself vulnerable to me, but he will limit himself to me. He said, don't quench the Holy Spirit. This thing that says, hey, God will do what he wants to do regardless of you and I will not stand up under the scrutiny of Scripture. God always has to find a man or a woman. And you and I can, we can squelch. That word means to extinguish. It's like a fire begins to burn and we blow it out. We try to contain it. We snuff it out. Because we're uncomfortable with it. I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God will at times do things uncomfortable to you precisely because it's uncomfortable to you. I'm serious. Because he's after that thing in our heart. God is looking for those who will partner with him. Quench not the Holy Spirit. God is looking for those he can prompt to do things. And when he is doing things that we don't try to control it and squelch it. I've felt this stirring in my heart all week about an impending move of God. And I'm telling you, he's coming to empower his people. He's coming to empower us to overcome besetting sin. And he's here this morning. There's some of you who are struggling in your heart with things that you don't want. I had someone come to me and confess, uh, a, a young man come and confess something to me this week, and I told him, I said, listen, the real you is the one who just came and confessed to me. The proof that that is you is because you didn't want to do those things, and you came straight to your pastor to confess to him. Don't let the enemy try to put that on you as an identity. The real you is the one who came to me. It's an amazing thing. There's a lot of people struggling with secret things, and it's things you don't want, and the, the fact that you feel so bad about it is proof that's not really you. That is not your identity. God wants to deliver you. And there's other of you that you need empowerment for ministry. Jesus said, tarry until you're empowered from on high. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you do not have the power you need, you need to continue to ask and begin to tarry. Now, I know the old Pentecostals, we made so much of tarrying that we could never receive. We would tarry for months and months. And there was a lot of good teaching that, hey, he already gave the Spirit, enter in. But there is something about staying in that pocket until you receive more. 
There's something about that staying in that season of seeking till you break through into something fresh in God. And it's the, the pursuit that God does. He, in the pursuit, God does a work to prepare you to steward what he wants to release to you. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. See, I didn't need that much time. I, I, I'm, this is a sign and a wonder, people. It is 10 till, and I'm already done. Just put your hands up. Father, Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Lord. Lord, we want to walk in intimacy with you. We don't want to grieve your heart. We don't want to hurt you. We want to live in a tenderness towards you. Lord, I pray right now for those with calluses. Some of you have calluses from the journey. It's not that you've chosen a hard heart. It's just over time, there's been a, it's a self-protection mechanism. And God wants to touch you this morning. It's not that you want a hard heart, but you know there's, the tenderness you once had is not there because you've gone through a hard time. The Lord's here for you this morning. There's others of you that you've made a decision. You've gotten offended with God and you've made a decision and it's you don't feel him like you once did and you need to do business with God this morning. If that's you, I want, if you fit into either one of those this morning, I want you to come forward right now. We want to pray for you. We want to do business. And I have not. And you have said, who is it? And I have said, it is I. You've opened the door and I have come in. You have washed my feet. I've smelled the coffee in the kitchen. I've smelled the bread. I've smelled the warmth of your home. You invited me in and you've taken it. And you have provided to me. You have welcomed me in. You've given me the best of your seat. But I see as you've walked me through your home that there are doors with keys. They're not... They're not passage locks. There are doors with keys, with locks on those doors. And I've asked, what are those doors? What's behind these? And you've said, oh, I have a few things. And you've taken me to another hallway, to another room. And I've noticed that the handles have had locks or handles with, with keyholes. And I've said, what's behind this door? And you've said, I have a few things. I am giving you a time. I am giving you a season to open the door. I have the keys that I've earned. I've paid with my life and time. And I have the authority to open those doors. But I am giving you the time. I am giving you the season to open those doors. And to let me see what's in. And to heal your heart. And to remove those things that stink. And to remove those things that are embarrassing to you. I will, I will pull them up. Yes, yes, Lord. Mm. Jesus, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. Lord, search our hearts, Lord. God, we cry out with David. Lord, search me, oh, God. Lord, see if there be, God, any wicked way in me, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ministry team 
to come, the elders to come, and just begin to lay hands on these as the Lord leads you. And uh, let's, let's just go into a time where we receive from the Lord this morning. We have a few more minutes before the service is even over. And uh, so let's just give the Lord this time to deal with our hearts. I, that was a word from the Lord that Les just delivered. And it said, the Lord is giving us a season of time. I'm telling you, the Lord, is, the Lord comes to allow us to humble ourselves. But he loves us enough to expose us if we won't. He loves us too much to leave those things in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is the time to just do business with the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you don't need to respond to this altar call this morning, what I want to do, I want to encourage you to do, is cry out for more right now. Let's just turn this into a prayer meeting this morning. We all need more. We all need more. Let's just begin to ask him for more. Father, Lord, we ask God. Lord, visit us, Jesus. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.